Remember the 90s, when MTV was still all about music videos, when people still bought physical copies of albums, and when legendary musicians like Chris Cornell and Dimebag Daryl still walked the earth? Well, now you can go back to that decade anytime you want, because your favorite 90s radio show, Sounds Like Teen Spirit, is now a podcast too. It's still the best show on KBGA to hear artists like Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Sublime, Megadeth, Primus, and more. Again, that sounds like Teen Spirit, now streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and KBGA.org, and broadcasting Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m. on 89.9 KBGA Missoula.
that was Everclear kicking off this program with Electra Made Me Blind, off their 1995 album Sparkle and Fade. Welcome to the award-winning Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I'm your mordacious host, Ian. This episode features music from the likes of Prong, Mad Season, The Roots, Modest Mouse, Iron Maiden, Seven Mary Three, Blur, Lauren Hill, The Meat Puppets, and Pink Floyd from the 90s. Plus, I'm going to be playing two songs off the new Guided by Voices album, Mirrored Aztec, which came out on August 21st, as well as a song off Metallica's new live album, SNM2, and a new single from the Smashing Pumpkins, both of which came out on the 28th. I'll start with Guided by Voices. After having already reviewed four Guided by Voices albums on this program since the beginning of 2019 alone, what more could I possibly say about the intensely voluminous output of the band and its frontman Robert Polyard? Well, in case you've managed to miss all of those previous reviews, here's everything you need to know on the subject boiled down to one sentence. To date, Robert Polyard has released over a hundred albums between his solo career and his bands, and he's got over 2,000 songs registered under his name with BMI. You can do the math if you want, but you really don't need to to see that his level of productivity is completely unrivaled in the alternative and indie music scenes. And I believe that to simultaneously be the biggest draw and turnoff for Guided by Voices. On one hand, Amid an industry where a new album every two to three years is considered the norm, it's refreshing to follow an artist that never ever makes you wait for the next release. By the time you've gotten all possible mileage out of the latest album, the next one is already on its way out the door, at the very least. On the other hand, after contributing over a hundred albums and two thousand songs to the musical zeitgeist over roughly a forty-year period, it seems that Robert Polyard has run the gamut of his songwriting capabilities several times over by now. This has put a capper on at least some people's capacity to be surprised by Polyard's music anymore, not to mention that it makes each new album from Guided by Voices less of an event than it would be coming from most other artists. That being said, even at this point, enough of Polyard's current output is still strong enough to make the newest albums worthwhile for those who are already attuned to his wavelength, as is very much the case with GBV's latest album, Mirrored Aztec. This album is something of a departure from the previous two albums, Sweating the Plague and Surrender Your Poppy Field. While those two albums found the band dabbling in prog rock territory, Mirrored Aztec redirects GBV into full-on power pop. Granted, it's a direction that the band has taken many times before, but I really do like this particular shade of GBV, and their latest outing yields its fair share of standout tracks, as per usual. Mirrored Aztec is approximately a 40-minute album comprised of 18 tracks, so they are all pretty much on the short side. For the most part, these are punchy, bouncy, hooky rock songs that come in and make their mark quickly before giving way to the next track without so much as taking a breath. Naturally, not all of them leave much of a lasting impression, and in fact songs like Easier Not Charming and I Touch Down feel like half-formed efforts that may have been left on the cutting room floor by some of GBV's peers. 
But even though Mirrored Aztec doesn't do anything that Robert Polyard superfans haven't heard already, the album still boasts enough quality riffs, hooks, and vocal melodies to justify its existence a mere six months after the last one. And it's even got a few intriguing outliers to help shake things up, such as the quirky and irregular-sounding Math Rock. Ultimately, I feel that Mirrored Aztec is the better of the two albums that Guided by Voices released thus far in 2020, and even though I'm clearly starting to get a little burnt out on all these new GBV releases, I still found plenty to recommend here. Alright, this next track is among my favorites from the album. Like most of the album's tracks, this one is driven by a catchy and energetic guitar riff, but it also gets weirdly floaty right in the middle. Remember how Guided by Voices released an album called Please Be Honest in 2016? Well, this song's called Please Don't Be Honest. Enjoy! Skeleton Stick figure of myself How you draw the line One step ahead of mine Eye to eye Jockeying for position I know you Scrape and bleed Scroll the screen for selection
Marilyn Manson with Four Rusted Horses, off his 2009 album, The High End of Low. Marilyn Manson recently announced the title and release date for his next album. The album will be titled We Are Chaos, and it's scheduled for release on September 11th. It would seem that Manson is going through sort of an outlaw country phase at the moment. The last time we heard from him was in the fall of 2019, when he released a cover of the traditional folk song, God's Gonna Cut You Down, made famous by the Johnny Cash version from 2006. And his upcoming album is actually a collaboration with country legend Shooter Jennings, son of Waylon Jennings. Shooter co-wrote and co-produced the album with Manson, and supposedly he even lends his musicianship to at least some of the album's songs. However, even though the next Manson album undoubtedly has a country influence, Manson does not consider it to be a country album. In Manson's own words, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how it sounds. A lot of people like to refer to Shooter's style of music as country, but I regard it more as southern. I suppose that also drags in a bit of the Rolling Stones, in a way. There's a lot of piano though not necessarily Elton John piano, maybe more Benny and the Jets piano. Let's just call it Shooter Jennings piano. Indeed, much of what Manson described can be heard on the album's lead single and title track. The song is a ballad driven by acoustic guitar and piano, but I certainly wouldn't call it country. It's a pretty difficult song to pigeonhole, in fact. The best description I think I can give is that it's a goth song with a hint of twang to it, but even that feels a bit reductive. I don't love the song yet, and I'm sure it'll take at least a few more listens to really grow on me, but I am nonetheless very intrigued by the prospect of hearing something new and different from Manson. I will be sure to review and play from the album on the next edition of Sounds Like Teen Spirit, so keep an eye out for that in the coming weeks. Anyway, before Marilyn Manson, I played Sunday Sunday by Blur off their 1993 album Modern Life is Rubbish. Deep Enough by Live off their 2001 album Five. Here's a little something for you by the Beastie Boys off their 2011 album Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 and Artificial Red by Mad Season off their 1995 album, Above. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to listen to this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, look for Sounds Like Teen Spirit on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kbga.org under the Podcasts tab. Alright, next I'll be playing a new single from the Smashing Pumpkins. On Friday, August 28th, the Smashing Pumpkins released two brand new songs, titled Seer 
that's C-Y-R, and The Color of Love. These two new songs are supposedly part of the next Smashing Pumpkins album, which will be the band's second album since the return of James Iha and Jimmy Chamberlain following 2018's Shiny and Oh So Bright Volume 1. The album does not yet have a title or release date, but that information could very well be made available in the coming weeks. You see, these two new songs were the culmination of a countdown clock that was running on the Smashing Pumpkins website, and that countdown clock was actually the first of six that began running in mid-August. The next countdown is set to expire in less than three weeks from now, while the last one expires in roughly a few months, and somewhere within that time frame we will probably learn what the next Smashing Pumpkins album will be. My theory is that each countdown will end with the release of two new songs, and that last pair of songs will come with a message that says something like, Oh hey, if you combine all the songs we released over the last few months in a certain order, that's our new album. Of course, time will tell as to whether or not I'm right, and I'll be sure to keep you abreast of what's happening here whichever way this all plays out. In the meantime, allow me to circle back to those first two new songs, Seer and The Color of Love. These two songs are different from other Smashing Pumpkins songs in that they are primarily synth-driven. Of course, this wouldn't be the first time the Pumpkins dabbled in synth. They more or less went in that direction with their 1998 album, Adore. But these two songs sound nothing like Adore. While Adore had more of a dark and gothic vibe for the most part, these songs are decidedly more up-tempo and comparable to early Depeche Mode. I think they sound refreshing, and I'm curious to see if the Pumpkins can sustain an entire album in that vein. I had a hard time deciding which one I was going to play on this episode, but I ultimately settled on Seer. So without further ado, here's Seer by the Smashing Pumpkins. Enjoy!
This portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events in its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com.
this year's Bill Mann speaker, the punk rock puppet master from the band Green Jello, and you're listening to KBGA Missoula, Little Big Little Big Let Me In. There's a mark on my back From my last heart attack Whiskey mouth, bottleneck, card stack There's a source, of course, she says It's whispering at night Like air leaks from a tire The truth outruns your life you jump track Thinking it's over Remember sooner or later It's always shorter Sooner or later It's always shorter Sooner or later It's always shorter I got a big mechanic mouth It resonates What is Shoulder. Sooner or later, it's only a shoulder. 
the Jim Carrey ass. Bars co op. You know what I'm saying? Bars co op. What the fuck? To the clones. Blast the domes. Logan Vows. You know my style. Bars co op. First of all, let's talk about these ill capers and fly ass frontin' bitches that now caught vapors. Ziggins run up on you with guns, snatching papers. Outlaw body chalk is how they would scrape ya from off the pavement. I hate getting locked up cause that upstate bus reminds me of the slave ship. Was in the Bible, never saved this. I guess that's why every juvenile is in the same predicament. You wanna slay crack, old text, and do the concept. You can't make loot when your moms are smoking up the product. I try to tell ya, don't let these streets with a failure. The waves are getting Station. No 
conversation is needed, my task completed. Reading again up and down in the cut where I'm seated. Snatch you from your cloud of cannabis, you ignoramus. You lay going your lap when I attack your glamorous lifestyle. I bang your head up with the right foul. My character, a product of this two and fifth lifestyle. I breeze through areas to end with fear to walk in. Balance the talking, that galactic style is up a walking. You start track gas with wrinkle. Screw these words and form a tube sprinkle. Cap your board up in the name of twinkle. My insight will crack the windpipe of y'all. Off their 1996 album, Illadelph Half-Life. I'd like to take a moment to honor Malik Abdul-Bassett, a.k.a. Malik B. of The Roots, who died of unknown causes on July 29th at the age of 47. Malik B. was considered to be an original member of The Roots, which was co-founded in 1987 by Black Thought and Questlove. He was added to the group's lineup in 1991, back when they were still called The Square Roots, and two years before the release of their debut album. He contributed to the group's first four albums, in other words, their entire 90s output, before leaving in 1999. But even though he left The Roots amid tensions between himself and the co-founders, he had since made peace with Black Thought and Questlove, and even returned to The Roots as a featured guest on two of their later albums, 2006's Game Theory and 2008's Rising Down. Outside of The Roots, Malik B. had a modest solo career consisting of two albums released in 2005 and 2015 and an EP released in 2006. Within The Roots, Malik B.'s role was that of secondary MC and songwriter. On the songs he contributed to, his verse was often the last verse of a song. On the one you just heard, his was the verse that ended immediately before I came on and started talking. However, although his performance and songwriting credits on the first four Roots albums are completely dwarfed by those of Black Thought and Questlove, they considered him to be absolutely integral to the group's earlier years. In an Instagram post made after his death, Black Thought said the following of Malik B. In friendly competition with you from day one, I always felt as if I possessed a mere fraction of your true gift and potential. Your steel sharpened my steel as I watched you create cadences from the ether and set them free into the universe to become poetic law, making the English language your image. I always wanted to change you, to somehow sophisticate your outlook and make you see that there were far more options than the streets, only to realize that you and the streets were one and there was no way to separate a man from his true self. My beloved brother M. Illitant, I can only hope to have made you as proud as you made me. The world just lost a real one. May Allah pardon you, forgive your sins, and grant you the highest level of paradise. Alright, I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge a couple of other notable musicians that passed away since my last show. One time Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist Jack Sherman passed away on August 18th at age 64, also from unknown causes. When did he play in the Chili Peppers, you may be wondering? Sherman was the lead guitarist on the band's 1984 self-titled debut album as well as on their first U.S. tour. 
He had also co-written several songs that would appear on the band's sophomore album Freaky Styly by the time he was fired in 1985. But wait, you might now be exclaiming. I thought Hillel Slovak, who died of an overdose in 1988, was the original guitarist. Well, you'd be right. Hillel Slovak co-founded the Chili Peppers in 1983 along with Anthony Kiedis, Flea, and Jack Irons, all of whom were friends from high school. He left the band later that year, as did Irons, by the way, and Sherman was promptly tapped to serve as Slovak's replacement in December of 83. However, Slovak wanted back into the Chili Peppers in 1985, and so Sherman was then fired to make room. But before you go to thinking that was awfully callous of the Chili Peppers, you should know that at the time there were mounting tensions between Sherman and Flea and Kiedis, and they were likely looking to get rid of him anyway. Those tensions stemmed at least partially from their clashing personalities. The Chili Peppers of the mid-80s were real wild men, known for crazy onstage antics and hard partying. But Sherman did not party, and he lacked, as Kiedis puts it, a punk rock pedigree. Although Sherman's tenure in the Peppers was brief and may seem inconsequential from where we're standing in 2020, he was more important to the band than you might imagine. According to Andy Gill, who produced the band's first album, Sherman turned the rest of the guys onto Funkadelic and was largely responsible for bringing that funk rock guitar sound into the Chili Peppers. Also, in his 2004 autobiography Scar Tissue, Kiedis admits that if Sherman hadn't came along and served in the band when he did, they probably wouldn't have lasted. The final recent musician death I want to acknowledge tonight is that of longtime Quiet Riot drummer Frankie Benali who passed away on August 20th at age 68 after a 16-month battle with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Benali wasn't the original drummer of Quiet Riot and thus wasn't included on the band's first two albums that were released exclusively in Japan. However, he did join the band in time for their breakthrough third album, 1983's Metal Health, which had a pair of huge hits in its title track and its cover of Come On, Feel the Noise by Slade. He's also played on every Quiet Riot album released since then, including the three released in the 90s, and even though he left and rejoined the band a few times over the years, he ultimately never missed an album with them. At the time of his death, Frankie Benali was the longest-serving member of Quiet Riot and also its de facto leader. It is currently unknown how Benali's death will impact the future of Quiet Riot, but my guess is that they will continue unabated like they always have. After all, they didn't stop after original vocalist Kevin Dubrow died, so why would they stop now? Anyway, rest in peace Malik, Jack, and Frankie. Alright, before The Roots, I played Over Your Shoulder by Seven Mary Three off their 1998 album Orange Avenue. Whose Fist Is This Anyway by Prong off their 1994 album Cleansing. Take It Back by Pink Floyd off their 1994 album The Division Bell and Slaves and Bulldozers by Soundgarden off their 1991 album Bad Motorfinger. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. 
To like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to listen to this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, look for Sounds Like Teen Spirit on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or kbga.org under the Podcasts tab. Alright, next I'm going to play a second song off the new Guided by Voices album, Mirrored Aztec. This one sticks out like a sore thumb amid the rest of the album. The guitar on this song is dark, heavy, and sinister, and it's the only song on the entire album that sounds like this. The song is called Biker's Nest. Enjoy! Nest. Crazy Down in the cellar alone On a zebra couch Used to tear it up
Listen, we don't need any fancy, super-duper promo. We don't need any of that. See, here with KVGA, we're just a student-run college radio station, and we play music. It's pretty simple. That's it. And that's how the world 
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give something else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org.
That was Mr. Bungle with Pink Cigarette off their 1999 album, California. Some of you may recall that, shortly before COVID-19 shut down virtually all live music, a reunited Mr. Bungle played a handful of reunion shows in L.A., San Francisco, and New York. The classic lineup of Mike Patton, Trace Spruance, and Trevor Dunn was joined by Scott Ian of Anthrax and Dave Lombardo of Slayer, and together the five of them played Mr. Bungle's 1986 demo, The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny, in its entirety at each show. Well, fortunately, that was just the beginning of the Mr. Bungle reunion. A few months ago, the band released its first new recording in over 20 years, a cover of the exploited song, USA, better known as Huff the USA due to its famous chorus. But there's more where that came from. About a month ago, Mr. Bungle announced its first new album since 1999. Actually, it's not really a new album per se. It is, in fact, a proper studio recording of The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. And yes, Ian and Lombardo are both on board. The album is being titled The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny Demo. Despite the fact that it's an album and the original recording was the demo, and it's scheduled for release on October 30th. The band has also issued the lead single, which is a re-recording of the song Raping Your Mind from the demo. Admittedly, I was at first disappointed to learn that the first new Mr. Bungle album in over two decades would not be an album of all new material, but I quickly changed my tune after listening to the new recording of Raping Your Mind, followed by the original recording from the demo. The difference between the two is night and day. The new version kicks ass and is slickly produced. And the addition of thrash metal veterans Ian and Lombardo is undoubtedly a boon to this re-recording of a thrash metal demo. Meanwhile, the original version, being from a 30-plus year old demo tape, is of remarkably poor quality. The bass on that recording is fuzzed out and super prominent, which is neat, but it's also pretty much the only thing you can hear in the mix. Even the drums are just barely there. So while the upcoming album isn't technically new, the re-recording represents such a marked improvement over the original that it feels new to me. I am now super hyped for this album and will be sure to review and play songs from it on Sounds Like Teen Spirit sometime after its release. Anyway, before Mr. Bungle, I played... Final Hour by Lauren Hill off her 1998 album The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Whirlpool by Meat Puppets off their 1991 album Forbidden Places. Third Planet by Modest Mouse off their 2000 album The Moon and Antarctica. Holy Smoke by Iron Maiden off their 1990 album No Prayer for the Dying. And Big Long Now by Nirvana, off their 1992 compilation, Incesticide. And that about wraps up an aromatic episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I have been your host, Ian. As always, thanks for listening. I'm closing out this show with a track from Metallica's new live album, S&M 2. So... 
Back in 1999, Metallica played a relatively intimate show in Berkeley, California with the San Francisco Symphony. Together, they played orchestral arrangements of several classic Metallica songs, and even a couple of new ones. The recording of that concert was released later that year as an album titled S&M, and even though that title appears to have sexual connotations, it's actually an acronym that stands for Symphony and Metallica. Last year, in celebration of the album's 20th anniversary, Metallica hooked up with the San Francisco Symphony again for a special show that also served as the inaugural event for San Francisco's brand new Chase Center. And just a couple days ago, the recording of that event finally surfaced in the form of a new live album appropriately titled S&M 2. Since the release of the original S&M album, Metallica has issued three new studio albums. Saint Anger, Death Magnetic, and Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Naturally, songs from each of those albums show up on S&M 2, but the bulk of the songs featured on the album are from before 1999. In fact, several of them were also on the original S&M album. But considering that the S&M 2 concert was held as a celebration of the first one, it's entirely appropriate for there to be some overlap between the two. Ultimately, although I was disappointed that Metallica didn't take the opportunity to debut some new songs like they did last time, I found the S&M 2 album to be a riveting and grandiose Metallica concert experience with some truly inspired moments. Alright, this track I'm about to play was definitely not on the first S&M album. It's a symphonic rendition of The Unforgiven 3, which originally appeared on the Death Magnetic album from 2008. This song lends itself particularly well to the orchestral treatment and utilizes the San Francisco Symphony better than almost any other song on S&M 2. Also, James Hetfield's voice somehow sounds better here than on the studio recording from 12 years ago. Okay, enough talk. Here it is. Until next time!
Yeah. 